Sonic States. Welcome to Sonic Talk 66. This is kind of a Thanksgiving one, even though we don't really celebrate over here. Um, today we're recording is the day before Thanksgiving, I'm told. Uh, um, PJ Tracy joins us uh, very kindly, although I'm sure he'd rather be on holiday somewhere like everybody else who seems to be in America. Rich Hilton is um, is away this week, so he can't join us. But uh, PJ, we haven't heard from you for a little while, so glad to have you aboard. How are your Thanksgiving plans coming along? Plans are coming along great. Um have two families here in the Twin Cities, so I'll be going uh, from one very large meal uh, to a very to another very large meal. Wow! In the same day. And we'll in- yep, and we'll inevitably wind up in a food coma sometime around seven p.m. So, do you, how many days do you get off? Just one or two, or a week, or a, a month? Well, I work. I work for myself, so I, I get no days off. Mm. <laughs> no, I'll, I'll take I'll take Thanksgiving off and and. Uh, christmas and christmas eve off for sure but i'm you know inevitably i'm working most of the day today and i'll be back i'll be back sometime on friday my studio partner and i are working on a couple of creative projects that are granted and our applications for the projects are due uh next week so we Ah. have to we have to finish some tidy some things up you have to get a move on no, fair enough. That's understandable. Well, thanks for joining us anyway, and uh, I hope we're not going to hold it, hold you up too much in your working day, and I hope you get all your stuff done so you can have a good fest tomorrow. Uh, we've also got Mr. Mark Tinley with us, who um, very kindly um, has um, decided to bribe his child with um, television just so that he can join us for this afternoon. How are you doing, Mark? I'm very well, thank you. Do you think there's going to be a time when, when this particular DVD is going to wear off and we're going to have to start sending you all sorts of other kind of material to work? <laughs> I could, yeah, that sounds like a good plan. I could use this as a ploy. <laughs> yeah. Well, we could put it down as expenses, couldn't we? We could kind of, you know, child's DVDs would go down as expensive because they enable us to do the podcast. It's perfect. <laughs> try try getting the tax man to believe that. Oh, no, I think that's perfectly perfectly possible. I, th- I think I can make a case for that. Anyway, how are you, Mark? I hear you've got a, a very fast new motorcycle. I have. I've bought a Yamaha TRX850, which is um, quite good fun, and made me say a few expletives when I turned the, opened the throttle up full, and, uh, yeah, quite exciting, actually. So have you been joining the kids down the bottom of your lane doing donuts in the car park, or...? Uh... Leaving them to it. No, no, not yet, because it's too shiny. The guy made a really nice job of the paint and everything, and if I do donuts, I'll just end up knocking it all off, won't I? So I, I use so. my other bike for that. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well. Going to show those lads how it's done. Well, thank you very much for joining us anyway, Mark Tinley. And, of course, we have Mr. David Spears from G4 Software. Flush with the successful release of the virtual string machine, which we do, we filmed a little special kind of tour with yesterday. You should be seeing that in a, in a few days here on Sonic State. How are you, Dave? I'm good, thank you. Excellent. And the orders flooding in. Are you kind of thinking about your next um, next Mercedes? Uh, no, not quite <laughs> that much. No. no. <laughs> Dinky toy, perhaps. Possibly, yeah. Maybe a toy motorcycle. Well done to the Creative Digital Music Circuit Bending Challenge winners that were announced on the 7th November. We obviously had a week break last week because I had some uh, technical difficulties that I had to jump in and fix. But uh, I'd just like to say that there are three winners, and I think we pretty much named them, actually. We got the uh, the Mini Furby by George Lazenbleep, which I thought was great. He was the guy with the beard who did the really amusing video and, um, and bent the uh, Furby. I don't know if you saw that one. And oh, yeah. 
And then there was L. Colin, the monster, who's the guy in Yay. South Korea, who we, we still don't know what he's doing there and why he was freaking out, but it was a fabulous piece. So uh, congratulations to him. And there was also something called The 15 Puzzle by Squelchbox, which was a far more professional-looking kind of outfit. So those three guys won in no particular order. And uh, if you go and visit the uh, George Lazenbleet site, he does an acceptance speech. Uh, which is very funny because he's got three Furbies and it's like he's in the dressing room and they're his backing singers. It's a very good, um, it's a great little video, actually. <laughs> he's obviously got a fab sense of humour, but that was a fantastic um, thing from Create Digital Music, uh, the circuit bending challenge. And I think they're going to aim for a couple more and wild and wacky ones. And I think maybe they were talking about doing some kind of um, recording project. It's basically a guy called David Cope who's written... Um, experiments in musical intelligence and as far as i understand i didn't really get a chance to research the whole thing because there was a lot of very dense verbiage to go with it but i did listen to a couple of uh, mp3s he's written software that will analyze a piece and then apply creative rules to it so that it, it becomes a bit more like something else and i'll just play this little bit of music You found it. Tell us what you think and what your brief synopsis of this whole concept is, because it's kind of close to your heart. I found it because of what I was talking about a couple of weeks ago when I was saying that I wanted Logic Audio to learn my musical style and then spit stuff back at me. And I started looking for software that would do that kind of thing. And then I came across this chap who had um, written software. Actually, he wrote the software in the first instance to do exactly that, to take, you know, to help him with inspiration when he was a bit stuck. And then he started applying it to various different composers. And I think the, uh, it's called EMI, isn't it? EMI, uh, Experiments in Musical Intelligence. So yeah. he's created EMI Bach and EMI Beethoven and EMI uh, Chopin and so on, and caused a bit of a, a sort of a rumpus in the classical music world because people are sort of, well, some purists are completely outraged by it, apparently. But I actually really like it. And I actually think that the Beethoven piece is a really emotive piece, and which is bizarre because it was written by a computer. The examples that are there appear to be, they're not, they're not computer-generated in themselves, but the music that they are performed from is computer-generated. Is that right? Yes, exactly. The computer wrote the music which was I then performed by a human performed by musicians yes right yes so i mean so i mean i guess the emotive in the emotive part of that is partly down to the playing but i'm sure that the the actual you know choice of notes is quite important and i think i mean you know it becomes clear that these musicians had specific styles and and notes that they must have chosen again and again or you know uh, patterns to their to their uh, writing style sure. because the Beethoven one really sounds like Beethoven. I mean, it really is bizarre. Do you think he's, um, I mean, how does, do you know how it works technically? I mean, does it, does it work from MIDI files or does it work from audio and how does it kind of work? Do you feed it a musical line and then it, 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 it creates variations or develops it or do you know anything about that? Um, I downloaded loads and loads and loads of programs and started installing them on the computer and trying to work out how it worked, and then it was a bit too programmery for me. So the answer to that is I don't know. I've, I've sort of had a look and couldn't work out. 
But Dave, Dave, you you had a look at this as well, didn't you? And you were saying that you were kind of impressed with the results. I thought it was blinding. I mean, I've heard some of these kind of compositional things before, you know, generative music software stuff, uh, all of which have been pretty lame. So I, I was really, really impressed with this. I thought the Bach and the Beethoven stuff was phenomenal. There were some also some great, really weird ones as well with kind of there was this it sounded like a load of mono oscillators and a, and a violin playing bridge harmonics. Um, which I'll try and dig out uh, the link to because that was kind of that was just a really good piece. I don't know w- what that was in the style of, but it was it was very enjoyable. Yeah, was that the cage one? Oh, it maybe was it was. Yeah, cope. I did listen, and uh, yeah, I'm with Dave. It's it's blindingly impressive what what this guy has achieved. Uh, it, you know, it's one thing to be able to to type in the rules for invention or fugue and and have a a, a computer program spit out an invention or fugue that's not actually a very difficult thing to do there's some you know strict strict rules to to writing something like that but but to get into interpreting the style of beethoven or chopin that's that's a lot a lot more difficult to do and i i have to say i feel slightly threatened by software like this as i suppose the drummers did back in the 1980s when the drum se- drum machine started hitting because if if somebody says you know i i need something idiomatic then any teenager with uh, this piece of software might be able to toss something out to a prospective client. Do you think we're heading in this direction? I mean, because you've got GarageBand and all these kind of simple compositional tools. I mean, is there anything out there in the commercial world that is, uh, you know, taking any influence from this or, you know, has any, encapsulates any of this stuff? I don't think currently is is there, but it, it can only, it can only grow in this direction. Because presumably, I mean, it's been going on for a kind of a long time in the home keyboards and auto accompaniment keyboards. I mean, some of that stuff is getting incredibly sophisticated. Uh, karma comes to mind. The the chord karma. Yeah, well, that's true. I mean, that's a similar kind. But that's, I suppose, the analyzing process is, is kind of what interests you, isn't it, Mark? The fact that, you know, if you could actually generate a musical personality yourself rather than buy one off the shelf that someone else had worked on. I mean, that's the kind of, is that is that right? Yeah, definitely. I mean, the weird thing is you do start to spot things in other people. So when I worked with Nick Rhodes for a long time, I I sort of could guess where he was going to go next because he does have a, a, a style and, and a way of doing things. So, I mean, if a human can do it and watch someone else and pick up things about their style, then surely a computer can be programmed to do it. I mean, I don't know if the logic programming guys listen to this podcast but if they do then i would say to them go and have a look at this chap's website and get hold of some of this stuff and put it in the front end of logic so every time you play a note or a series of note notes it um learns what you're doing and will pick up things about your style i suppose you'd have to switch it on and off if i was working on someone else's music i'd have to turn it off wouldn't I? yeah but wouldn't <laughs> it i mean could you know the microsoft paperclip springs to mind wouldn't it be really really irritating if you're kind of in the middle of sort of company or not in the middle trying to come up with something and this irritating little kind of wizard pops up and goes hi do you want me to help you with this line i got a great idea you know just <laughs> just kind of you'd end up smashing your computer out with a hammer surely i mean yeah okay well they'd have to be careful how they in- implemented it i mean the one thing i like on um logic audio actually is if i plug my midi guitar into the side of my computer and start strumming away it tells me what chord i'm playing which is always like a revelation to me like i'll like make a shape and think oh, that sounds quite nice and then it will go a hey, 13 minor 9 or something or whatever it does whatever yeah means. yeah 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 and i'll go oh is that what i'm doing oh okay i'll try and remember that but of course i never do but if it can if it can do that, then surely it can go, 
know, but it can learn style. You could, you, you could presumably just get it to kind of spit all this stuff into some sort of XML file. And so every time you, it plays something, it goes, why don't you try that chord you always do? If you see what I mean, you know, without, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Because, or, you know, you always do that. Why don't you try one you only do kind of um, 1% of the time? Do you see what I mean? Yeah. So rather than, so it actually guide you away from your, your kind of habits rather than kind of be more intelligent than that. It would just say, no, you know, these are some other suggestions, things that you also play, but you don't play them very often. Maybe you should do them more. So it would help you explore rather than be too intrusive. Interesting concept. I mean that, you know, if you're in a major key, these are all the chords you can use in a major key, but you can make this one minor and it will still work in this key. And there's loads of stuff like that, which I just don't actually know. Maybe I do it naturally, but I don't, I wouldn't do it unnaturally, if you know what I mean. So if I'm stuck, I wouldn't know what my options were for my next chord. So if I'm playing in the key of C, I wouldn't know, you know, I, I might play a C major and a G major, which I think I can do in the C of in the key of G that's that's uh, key of yeah. C sorry that's about as much as I know right there's some other minor chords which I could pick to do which might get me to somewhere else where I wanted to go which but I might spend 15 minutes strumming around trying to work out how to do it and maybe never even you know come across an option the mate in fact there are options I don't know about. So if it could suggest things like that to me as well, that would be good. You'd have to sort right. of, I want some help now, please help me, rather than just kind of chip in when you feel like it. Because I but always hate working- all that autocomplete and kind of tool tips and all that sort of thing just drives me nuts. Yeah, but it depends how it's implemented, because I'm sure if you're texting people on your mobile phone, I bet you let it autocomplete all the words. Oh, no, it- never, ever, ever. No, I hate it. I hate it. it really? I can't yeah, bear it. You're joking. You type the whole word in there. Yeah. I just use very short words, and I, <laughs> and I type in text. So, you are is obviously you are. You know, it's kind of late, oh, later. That drives me mental when people do no, that. No, I, do, I don't do that, Matt. I promise. I promise. Few. Yeah, I don't know, PJ. What do you, would you kind of? I, you know, you obviously have a kind of perhaps a, a quite a, an in-depth musical knowledge. Are there any instances you could think where you would wouldn't mind a couple of um, ideas, or uh, are you quite happy just to kind of use the Eno uh, cards approach? Yeah, I don't know. It's you might be tempted by something like that, but uh, I had a professor in school who said that you you just have to kind of grease the wheels every day. You know, if if you if you don't have inspiration coming, you just need to sit down and and sort of almost force yourself to write at least a little something every single day, so that when inspiration strikes, you're there for it. And right. I, I tend to sort of sit in that camp because I, I wouldn't want to be relying on software to to be generating to generate yeah, but hang on a, there's a big difference here and you just set and you just put your finger on it and that is that you said i had a professor in school right i didn't have one of those i picked up a guitar handbook and learned to foot a few chords and you know i want it to be like my professor in school without having to go to school because i'm probably too old um uh, well i don't i don't disagree with that mark i mean i i could make an argument for the other side i mean you're obviously extremely knowledgeable musically extremely talented musically and extremely competent musically and so i could say that with very little effort i think you could you could educate yourself in any way you wanted to musically and or or you could pick up a piece of software that could help you do it as well i either either way is valid but uh you know i i think it's 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 a constant learning process i mean i'm constantly expanding my own vocabulary and looking for ways to do it Uh, Mm. i just i just wonder about there's a there's a musicologist named David Bohm who said that he can trace the fall of any high civilization 
to the fall of its art. And he defined that by, um, he said, it's virtuosity without discipline. <laughs> so we're basically, the, the uh, Microsoft paperclip is an early warning sign of the fall of our own civilization. That's, that's what Bohm once we yeah. get Once we get the plug-in, then we're really screwed. That's it. Yeah, it's all <laughs> yeah we can all be Bach and Beethoven. Uh, I'd really like to be able to feed my own stuff in and go, okay, now give me an interpretation in the style of, please. Because what really impressed me was things like, you know, with the Bach stuff, all this kind of mordants and stuff were in what I would class as the right place. Yeah. And I and that's what kind of blew me away more than anything else. It was like, well, actually, all these kind of grace notes and stuff, they're exactly where I would have put them when I was playing properly. I see, right. So having watched, you know, like Mark, having watched sort of millions of musicians and sort of tried to analyse their styles, it would be kind of nice to feed my own nonsense in there and go, okay, now let me hear what it would sound like in this style of Chopin, please. But couldn't you oh, that, just... Now that might be interesting, yeah, to do something like that. You could, that. but couldn't you just buy yourself a PSR, you know, 5000 or whatever it may be and, and do it that way? What's a PSR 5000? Well, you know, I don't know whatever it is, or, you know, one of the Technics kind of super, super duper auto accompaniment keyboards and just kind of throw your shapes on that and kind of hit um, bluegrass or whatever it may be that you're looking for. Yeah, but um, they're all very kind of predefined. I've done some style writing for these kind of auto accompaniment things, and it's pretty, it's pretty tedious stuff. I like the way this kind of expands on everything. And, and you know, I, I can't say anything bad about it, frankly. Well, that's And good. I wanted to. <laughs> from uh, david cope who's also written uh, several uh, musical uh, volumes uh, on uh, computers and music style experiments in musical intelligence the algorithmic composer and uh, one from mit press called virtual music um, he says basically experiments in musical intelligence work using three basic principles one deconstruction analyze and separate into parts two signatures commonality retain what signifies style and three compatibility recombinancy which is recombining all those bits into new works that have some sort of musical meaning that aren't just kind of totally random. So, um, yeah, it's worth going out and checking out. So have a look in this, the show notes. It might kind of get the juices flowing or maybe not. Sonic Talk, sponsored by Yamaha Music Production. Producers of the world's most popular digital mixing consoles. Accurate professional studio monitoring systems. Incredibly realistic and portable digital stage pianos. The versatile motif range of music production synthesizers. And the latest N-Series digital mixing studios. Featuring the cleanest signal pump and full Cubase AI4 integration. www.yamahasynth.com Sonic Talk. Okay, anyone spot that synth model? Polyvox. Ah, oh, Dave, only because you've got the show notes in front of you. <laughs> <laughs> and I listened to the MP3s. And you knew what the yeah. next one. But uh, that, was, that was an interesting one. The uh, Russian synths, um, basically a company called Harvestman, have made a something called the R1982, which is a... A, a modular, a, a module for um, a modular synth, um, which emulates the Polyvox filter, which is a classic filter. 
in in the way that the MS20, the Korg MS20, kind of got this kind of organic and sort of dirty moniker, I would say that the Polyvox probably outdoes that by some degree. I don't know if anyone's ever used any of these Russian synths, but uh, my next little bit of uh, uh, um, MP3 was going to be um, the Polyvox in action. So I'll just play that. Of course, that was uh, Goldfrapp's train. I was going to say I recognised that. Well, I see, the only way I knew it was in there is because I, I had the good fortune to work on some of that. So I don't know if anyone's ever had a chance to, to try them. I and mean, we have talked about Polyvox before, but the fact that Harvest of, uh, Harvestmen have just brought out this kind of brings it back into focus for me. Um, anyone else tried them? Mm, yeah. Brilliant. Love them. Built that- like a tank. Keyboard action like um, corrugated iron. Uh, but a sound to die for. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I mean, if you're lucky, you get the one which has got no um, sort of um, scribble strip where they've written what the the fil- what the parameters are. Because in yes. Cyrillic, it doesn't look anything like you know. You can't make any 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 logical guesses. You know, you have to. It's like learning a new language using one of them, particularly the Polyvox. And the Polyvox is a particular classic. Um, Syntesor Polyvox. Um, is it in Peter Forrest's book? You know what? I'm not yeah. sure. Is it? It is. All yeah. ah, right. Yeah. Well, there we go. Uh, there's a great interview with uh, Mr. Polyvox and Vladimir Kuzmin on that uh, analogic.com. Yes, I saw that. I tried to get it to this morning, but I couldn't get through. But uh, Really interesting. I wonder in what, because they were made presumably while the Iron Curtain was still up and it was all sort of a closed environment. And I just, I'd really love to hear some of the band's uses of them. Um, I don't know if we'll ever get to hear that sort of thing, but it's, you know, because it's almost like an enclosed environment, wasn't it? That was a sort of ring-fenced synthesizer usage you know nobody that's why nobody really knows much about them pj have you ever um got your hands on or seen one of these russian synths no but they sound beautiful apparently um the original soviet uh, integrated circuits had no capacitors at all in the design and i this has apparently got something to do with with the sound i, I um harvestman I, I tried to find out some information from harvestman they say um they have a link to uh, analog haven um, when I emailed them and I was trying to get some pricing information, but I can't find out any availability or pricing. But um, it's made in cooperation with uh, Vladimir Kutzmin, who is the, the, the main man. Um, it's got manual and voltage control cutoff frequency, manual control of res- resonance, bipolar CV input multiplier, two input signal mixer, so you can easily overdrive the filter, low and bandpass outputs, and like I say, original Soviet integrated circuits with no capacitors in the design. So it's kind of quite true and faithful and has the sort of stamp of approval from the your main man vlad i thought it was fascinating when he, he was asked um did he have contacts in the west with other engineers and developers and he was what contacts what are you talking about <laughs> we couldn't speak to anybody <laughs> and it was all just it all seemed to be done as a kind of giant blag they were kind of trying to you know get the sound from the records that they heard and it's kind of almost like a parallel with old ken freeman and the string machine thing and that you know he he just wanted to emulate that sound he heard on his favorite 45s and uh found a way of you know doing it that's amazing they are very crazy i mean you say they're built like a tank i say they look like they're built like a tank and the front panel is is solid but then you know the the plastic in the switches and stuff as i think i've said before is 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 almost like Chinese rice snacks. 
What? You know, those, uh, you, you get those rice, Chinese rice snacks, which are sort of opaque um, and ricey looking, but they kind of melded into various shapes. It's kind of like that. And that's the sort of plastic. So I, mean, I think the manufacturer, you know, must have been very difficult in some instances to get to get them. And maybe, you know, there are different um, batches that had, you know, higher quality plastics in them or whatever. The keyboards are not damped and they've got very noisy springs in them. So they sort of go, oh, weird. <laughs> well, at least oh, wow. in the one that I've seen. <laughs> um, but it's great fun. Did Will get his smiddied up? Um, I don't think so. No, he doesn't generally MIDI any of his stuff. It's all performance based. The golf rap stuff. They don't gen- generally midify their instruments. They're mostly just kind of grab one and wig out on it and take uh, the best okay. bits. Yeah, I mean, according to this uh, website, he reckons that manufacturing might have reached twenty to thirty thousand pieces. Really? Oh. Yeah. Good lord! That, I mean, that's if that's the case. That's kind of got to be one of the biggest analog synths ever made, isn't it? In terms of production just- runs. It's amazing. And he's saying the price was 920 rubles, which is pretty pretty close to 1,500 bucks. Whoa. So uh, it must have been the preserve of, you know, academic establishments. And blimey, you'd have to be working pretty hard over there to afford that, yeah. particularly then. Do you think there's a whole sort of echelon of, um, of officials who were proud proud owners of these synthesizers who are secret kind of Depeche Mode fans, possibly. <laughs> Probably. We ended up with a, a load of Tron sounds from a guy who was a member of the Stasi who had his own black Tron. Oh, wow. Yeah, awesome. As soon as I heard that, I was like, yep, we've got to have those. And they all ran at half speed and sounded very dark. <laughs> yeah. Oh. yeah, yeah I, I, I hate to think what he might have uh, had to pull off to get hold of one of those. SonicState.com atmosphere and trilogy are now available on intel um, which i thought you were hey and then i read the story a bit closer and it's actually not what they've done is they've written a wrapper um which runs in rosetta mode so it's kind of i would say fairly far from perfect for most people because that's going to be incredibly um inefficient would it not dave you'd know about these things i mean i know you're a fan of their stuff and we wish them well in getting to to intel fully intel capability but is that not really is that a bit of a sort of bodge um, I don't know. I haven't tried it myself. What I did go on to Big Blue Lounge and have a look at um, some of the info that was out. What amazed me was the kind of difference in performance with the various Intel Macs. You know, some would work great, under, you know, say under DP or something like that with a um, little MacBook Pro. Um, and then other sequences and other Intel Macs wouldn't be um, anywhere near as good. Oh, well, I'm personally holding out my options because there seem to be a bit of, you know, if you read between the lines, something uh, pretty cool is going to happen at NAMM. So I, whilst I was really tempted to just kind of download it, um, first of all, my MacBook Pro has got a very lame amount of space on the hard drive, um, which I have put stylus on it, but obviously not Trilogy and Atmosphere. Um, so I thought, I'll tell you what, I'm going to wait. I'm going to wait until NAMM because I reckon there's going to be something announced there. You're probably right, actually. I'm sure they, you know, they must be working on it because, I mean, it's got to be a, f- a platform that they can't ignore. I have to say, I'm eternally grateful to uh, Eric and Spectrosonics because um, the amount of time it's taken them to do their universal binaries meant that we weren't last. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's always a plus, isn't there? <laughs> My understanding of Rosetta, right, is if they've got a Rosetta plugin, it would have to run in a host that was also running under Rosetta, wouldn't it? Pass. I've got the, uh, oh God, I can't remember what it's called now. What's the Beats one? Stylus. Stylus. Stylus, I've got Stylus yeah. which is actually Intel. Yes. All right. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I agree. The space on on laptops, that's one of the big problems, isn't it? You get these laptops and you think, great, I can do all my work on it. But then you end up having to carry in a load of bloody hard drives around. I've got, I think I've got a 120 in mine and I really want more space. 
I think I've got 80, which is like by the time I petitioned it for the for XP as well, it's like, oh, God, I've got nothing left. Mine just... says I've got 160 in mine, but it's got a whole load of PC chunk, and no, I don't have enough room in mine either. Um, oh, in well. fact, thinking about it, that Logic release that they just released with all of those uh, loops and everything, I just haven't bothered to load them onto my machine, all the jam packs and everything. Uh, well, the, you know the jam packs in there are in a different format. They're in, uh, I can't remember what the format is, but they're compressed, so they're much smaller. I've got a lot of my music library on this computer, though. I think I'm going to have to buy a, a Mac Mini and put all the music on that and then run iTunes so that it will share the music across the network or something. Yeah. Or I, maybe that thing you... The Soundbridge radio. Maybe yeah, that's the what Firefly, um, with the Firefly yeah. server, which will do it. Yeah, well, um, there's something for Christmas then, a larger hard drive and uh, other things. Uh, anybody else want um, any Christmas perfume for Christmas? Because I, I had to put this one in because I just couldn't believe how many more there were. And I could, um, Let me just read. There's J-Lo, Britney, Beyonce, Paris Hilton, Miss Piggy, which I quite like the sound of. I wonder if they'll sell a few of those as jokey girlfriend presents. Kelly Brooks, Celine Dion, Jordan, Christina Aguilera, and etc. Et et I found the worst one on the planet. Oh yeah, what's that? Cliff Richard. Cliff Richard's got three, three Has different he? ones. He's got Miss Unite's Eau de Perfume, Perfume or whatever it's called. <laughs> Cliff Richard's Summer Holiday Eau de Toilette, Toilette, <laughs> which I should probably buy because that was number one when I was born. Oh, it's for holiday. you, Mark. It's for you. Uh, and Cliff Richard Devil Eau de Perfume. But given that he's a born again Christian, yeah, that's a, bit. that's a bit. Oh, uh, also, you can get Marilyn Manson. I don't know what his, <laughs> what his is called. David okay, Beckham. David Beckham and and Andy Roddick. <laughs> Can you imagine any kind of instance where this would be a kind of acceptable present in any form? My missus wanted one from David Essex if it was called Jippo, or maybe the new James Bond as long as it was called Middle Wicket. <laughs> I must say, I wonder what Britney's would smell like. Actually, that was kind of uh, uh, given her current kind of you know troubles and what have you. It might not be the smell you're expecting. It might smell of sort of fags and um, old booze or something like that. Had a whole morning here. Of, <laughs> we thought P Diddy's should be re- renamed P Ness. And the best one ever, I think, is Tom Cruise should be called Scentology. Oh, nice. I like it. I like that's it. That's a really good, that's a good pun. I like that. <laughs> I've just found, I've just found an Andy Warhol one, but Andy Warhol's dead. <laughs> what is his name? It? It's called uh, Marilyn and it's just that, it's got a picture of the, um, you know, the famous the pop art thing. painting that he did. Yeah. Prince of Marilyn. Are you sure on it's not one that he released while he was alive and it's very expensive and collectible? Uh, it says prices from £5.90. God, that sounds classy. <laughs> Point me there. I want to go and spend some money. I've got some great Christmas present ideas. <laughs> this reminds me of uh, Grace Jones. She was in a, a movie, what was it called? Boomerang with Eddie Murphy. Did anyone see that? Thankfully, no. No? <laughs> she has a bit part, but she plays this famous French a model. A bit part or a bitch part? <laughs> both. Well, both. <laughs> and they're going to bring out her line of perfume and she comes to the board meeting of this ultra posh advertising agency and she says we've decided to call it afterbirth <laughs> oh nice <laughs> maybe that's what marilyn manson's is called oh perhaps yeah could be but bands you could have bands we're going to see the colors of chiefs tomorrow and we're going to suggest that they have a perfume called riot Oh, that's a good idea. So you could you could name it after your song. That's the, but then you'd have to give a piece of a piece of your perfume revenue 
to the um, publishing company as well, presumably, because if you're using your name, I suppose so. We yeah. could have we could have an Apple one called I Smell. The Windows Vista one could be called Defunk. Could be called, yeah, it could be. Well, speaking of Windows Vista, <laughs> nice link there, PJ. You cut, you got us out of a hole. I was wondering how long we could revel in the. The moral torpitude of that particular topic. So um, Windows XP um, has been extended and they were supposed to stop selling XP after January the 31st next year. But they've now um, they've been lobbying Microsoft to tell them to, to allow c- to them to keep selling um, PCs with with flavor with all flavors of Windows XP preloaded until June the 30th, which is an extension of five months. Yay. Uh, which is which is kind of good news, isn't it? But uh, it's a terrible fudge. I mean, what an awful situation. So basically, nobody wants to use Vista because they either, you know, may, whether it's true or not, you know, they don't have confidence in it to be able to do what they want it to do. In fact, Fujitsu now ship all their computers which have got Vista on them with an XP re- restore disk in the box so that you can take it back, if, you know, to Vista, to XP if you don't like Vista. I mean that's not that's not got to be good for 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 Microsoft. I mean I know with they, they get they get a good kicking for you know various other things, but that is just appallingly managed, wouldn't you say? Yes. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> but I, I I don't know if anyone saw we at uh, the recent uh, music live at the Birmingham NEC. I went and had a chat with the guys from Carillon who uh, make bespoke PCs. They're bulletproof. You can kind of buy them. They work right out of the box. That kind of that kind of market. And they wouldn't. They haven't touched Vista at all. They just say there's just no way we can guarantee it's going to work. Which is. I mean, I think this this retread is is basically an inroad to retread forever until they until they figure things out because they haven't. Re- they're they're not releasing a service pack for Vista yet. Was my understanding, and it's not coming out for some time. But perhaps once they do that, they'll have ironed out some of these driver issues that are that are making it impossible to migrate over to the operating system. Dave, you've been through the universal binary route. I mean, imagine, have you got to kind of do all your certification for Vista? Is it a nightmare or is it working out okay? I mean, how, you know, you've probably got more inside information as far as that goes. That's no, worked out well for us. I mean, basically our stuff works fine on Vista. Although we do have one guy who keeps emailing on a weekly basis saying, when is your stuff going to be updated for Vista? And we're like, it works fine, honestly. Yeah, it's... Probably your sound card and your host software and everything else that doesn't work on Vista. Although yeah, Cakewalk, um, you know, obviously works on Vista. They've been there for a, for a long time because they partners up, partnered up with Microsoft. So presumably they had additional resources to make it happen. So they're, they're there. Um, I don't know kind of who else is really there in a kind of everything works, come join us kind of way, but hopefully. Well, that's the big people like Sadie. Haven't they got that working on Vista? I don't know. I mean, I would have thought about, you know, you'd think, you know, BBC use a lot of Sadie, don't they? You can't imagine BBC yeah. kind of buying a whole unit of stuff and getting Vista put on it, can you? I mean, why? No. why? They're yeah, running why? Vista on servers and stuff now, I think. Are they, really? Right, okay. I think so, yeah. Or they're in the process of putting it in. I shall have to ask the missus because she does all that. Right. Well, they've well, in, it, to <clears throat> in a practical sense, I mean, why, why upgrade to Vista? Why not just, why not just continue to use use xp as long as you absolutely need to yeah i suppose the thing is a lot of people don't have the luxury of a dedicated music pc you know they've got pcs that they use for other things as well and you know as their kind of daily internet usage or application uses gets sort of further and further ahead of what they want to use their music side of things for you get this kind of gap and it makes it hard for them to to sort of maintain a, a current machine I wonder whether a lot of this Vista nonsense is to do with the fact that, I mean, Microsoft seemed pretty vehement in, you know, making everything very backwards compatible, whereas Apple just kind of go, okay, today's a new 
the start of a new regime. Well, yeah, and on that very subject, I got an email from a guy called Fogg who said, Logic 7 won't work on Leopard. And uh, I did a bit of research and found that there are lots of people who are finding this. And uh, that's that's not really with a nod to backward compatibility, is it? It's like, okay, bye. Uh, do you remember um, my missus put the, my dongle in the washing machine? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, when you sent this through, I thought, do you know what? I'm going to try it. And uh, my dongle doesn't work. Ah. Oh, dear. <laughs> so, uh, yes, no Logic 7 for me. I think we're there, folks. It flew by this week, actually. So uh, thank you very much for joining us. Um, first of all, thank you, Mr. Dave Spears from G4Software.com. Thank you very much. Virtual String Machine out soon. Well, out now, but um, there will be a review tour type thing on SonicState.com very shortly. It's in the edit. Excellent. Thank you. Mr. Mark Tinley from um, his kitchen. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome thank you very much and thanks Dave for the copy of Virtual String Machine I've been playing with that and enjoying it Okay, and cool. I can fit that on my hard drive which is a good thing it's always worth making space for that it's great though isn't it Mark yeah it is it's excellent yeah absolutely spot on I have to say uh, in the interest of balance um, I got a great email from Rich Hilton um, which I'll say in his absence he says it's it's really great if old string sync, uh, if old string synths are your thing, for me they never were my thing. I always hated the sound of them to varying degrees, and these sound just as crappy as I remember them, which I guess <laughs> means they must be incredibly accurate. <laughs> <laughs> well, PJ, um, thank you also for joining us from uh, Minneapolis. Um, I hope you have a great holiday and uh, happy Thanksgiving. Thank you, and happy Thanksgiving to all my countrymen. And I have not yet received my copy of Virtual String Machine, but I look very much forward to installing that on my hard drive. Cool. All right, well, thank you very much. It's been great fun. PJ, have a lovely time, um, and happy Thanksgiving, everybody, everywhere, wherever you are. And remember, folks, comments are always welcome. We'll be happy to read them out or play them or however they arrive. Uh, you can email them at, to sonictalk at sonicstate.com. We can just take words or MP3s. Or if you've got Skype, uh, you can call us on Sonic Talk, the handle Sonic Talk. Oh, we've got an answer phone there. Just leave us a message. Uh, we've got Skype in numbers in the US for that. Uh, so dial 312-376-8089 if you're inside the US. Or if the UK is closer or you're in the UK, 0207-870-8616. Remember to dial your country code for those if you're outside either of those countries. That's US telephone number 312-376-8089, UK 0207-870-8616. Thanks for listening. Sonic. States. Not call.